Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Care Inspectorate's podcast on Meaningful Connection. My name is Sherry Kerr and I'm joined today by my colleague on the Visiting Meaningful Connection and Anne's Law Project, Barbara Lawson. We're going to be talking today about what inspectors might look for in an adult or older people's care home service around connections for people. So, hi Barbara. Hi Sherry. You've been an inspector and you've also been a care home manager, so you've seen it from both sides. What sorts of things would you be looking for as an inspector to find out how well care homes are doing in terms of supporting meaningful connection for people? Yeah, there's lots of things that we would um, do to to look at, you know, particularly um, observing, you know, just really what do we see, what do we hear, um, walking around the service, um, seeing how people interact with each other, what opportunities people have to be together. Um, particularly sometimes when you're in a service, there can be lots of lively activities in a lounge area. But I'm always particularly interested in the people that are maybe in their rooms who maybe don't have as much opportunity and what our service is doing um, to support people to be connected and be involved and really to get the most out of life. Okay, so yeah, so some services maybe do connection really well but you know you're obviously you're only in there maybe for one or two days doing an inspection so you've kind of mentioned this already but what other sorts of things would you maybe be looking at to kind of try and you know find out what the outcomes are for people you know how can services evidence that good work that they're doing Yes, well, we use the quality frameworks and there's one for, you know, different service types and our values are linked with the health and social care standards. So we're really looking to see um, how people are demonstrating these in practice. We're looking for how people interact with each other. Also having a really robust um, improvement plan or development plan or evidence document. Sometimes people can get a bit caught up with how to present it. But I think as long as there's clear actions, who's responsible, we talk about things being smart, you know, so having the specific, the measurable, achievable, realistic and timeous and making sure that things are set out. But I suppose for me, an improvement plan is just really a record of activities that what people have been doing. So whether they've been gathering information from audits or from speaking to people, you know, getting people's feedback is really important. Um, and looking at, you know, they might do a particular focus on a topic. It could be about, um, you know, do personal plans, um, say how people like to use digital technology, and there could be a small audit on that, and then any actions, but particularly how it's improved outcomes. So an improvement plan for me is just really a record of achievement, um, using self-evaluation, you know, how well are we operating? What could we do better? Does this line up to what the health and social care standards say and what it says in the quality frameworks? OK, so it doesn't need to be anything particularly complicated from what you're saying. It's just basically a place that the service can record, you know, what they're doing and what they're 
what what their what their plans are and how they're being met. Yes, definitely, and how they're involving people in that. So it could be that they have relatives meetings or residence meetings, staff meetings. You know, what are the things that we're doing well? What are the ideas that we have to take things forward and how that's pulled together? Some services have them online, they can be electronic versions, other ones just have a folder. So it doesn't actually matter as long as it's covering the key points and the evidence is there. Okay, so what other sources of evidence would you look at? Because obviously maybe they've got all this in their plan, but you know, how are you gonna kind of validate that that's actually happening in practice? Yeah, so you might often hear inspectors using the term triangulating the evidence and, um, you know, we'll try not to use too much jargon here. So if I do say anything, Sherry, please just ask him some questions. So triangulating the evidence is more just checking out um, what something says. So an improvement plan might say that we did, uh, you know, we decided to put in a new shelter outside so people could have outside visits and have teas and coffees with their family outside. And you say, well, where did they get that information? Right, it was from a staff meeting or it was from a residence review. So you would then be looking at that information where it fed in and then you would be looking for the impact of that. You know, so particularly, you know, there might have been four residents that have used it. They could do a wee update a late, later on in the month to say, well, actually, you know, Mrs Briggs and um, Jeannie enjoyed a visit outside, you know, put a photo in, you know, or just write a wee bit. And how was that transferred into an outcome for someone that they enjoyed a meaningful visit because of that change? So it, it's just really matching up what says on the paper to people's experiences. So asking staff, you know, I saw you attended that meeting. How was it? You know, were you able to give forth your ideas? You know, so triangulating evidence is more just looking, you know, um, looking at where the information came from, validating the information and how that then feeds through to making sure that people have positive outcomes. OK, great. So you talked earlier a bit about the health and social care standards and there's quite a lot in the health and social care standards about connection. I think, you know, what what sorts of things in the health and social care standards would, would, would be relevant? Because obviously that's what you're inspecting against, isn't it? Against those standards. Yes, definitely. Well, obviously the values that people are, um, you know, demonstrating. Are we seeing practice that is um, respectful and has dignity? You know, are people being treated with compassion? But also for connection, are people's choices and wishes being demonstrated? Are they fully involved in, a, in the assessment process? Are there future care and support needs being anticipated? And are the people that are important to them involved in these decisions? And also, you know, when we're thinking about people experiencing care and support, thinking is the care and support being provided, meeting their needs and is it right for me? So I'm just thinking there about people maybe with a cognitive impairment or people with sensory impairment. So do they need support to use hearing aids? You know, are they going out on a trip? Are they going out for a coffee? Is there are there hearing aids functioning? Um, you know, there's lots of different things. Also, accessing the outside space um, is really, really important as well. 
Um, so there's lots of different things. So we would kind of look at these as we were, you know, you know, you might walk around a service or you've got previous information about a service, looking at the previous report, if there was areas for improvement um, and how that the service is really demonstrating these and you know, um, making sure that people get the most out of life. But the key thing for me is involving people. You know, are people fully involved in the decision making? And if they're not able to because of a um, a restriction, maybe their cognitive impairment, um, or if there's powers in place like power of attorney or guardianship, are we using? You know, making sure that we're giving people as much. Um, control and involvement in these decisions as possible. So I think for me that's really key. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose when we're talking about meaningful connection, we're thinking about all those relationships, aren't we, that are important to people. So, you know, you'd be looking at, you know, how are people being supported to to maintain those relationships or maybe to make new relationships, you know, for instance, you know, with their peers or with going out and about, is that the sort of thing that you'd also be, be looking at on an inspection? Yeah, definitely. And when I think you're reading a personal plan, um, you very much want to capture the the essence of who somebody is. You know that it's about providing that consistent approach, and um, we would be looking to see how that is then um, demonstrated um, by the care and support that you're seeing as you're walking around by speaking to people. Um, but I think also, you know, giving people opportunities just because somebody. Um, has a certain um, illness or restriction that they can, that some people might think they can't or they don't want to. Um, you know, let's give people opportunities. You know, someone might refuse to join in in an activity, but actually, let's keep asking, and there might be a different way that we can communicate that, or maybe involve them in different ways. So I think, yeah, involving people, giving them opportunities to speak to people. And I think the impact that we've seen that meaningful connection can have on people's health and well-being. You know, we really want to see people connecting with the people that are important and get being given opportunities to make new friends, you know, to try different things. You know, just that change of environment during a day can make all the difference to someone's well-being. Yeah, so I suppose it's about finding out who people are, isn't it? What do you know? What are their interests? What do they want to do? Um, you know, and and that recognizing that that might change as well. That just because somebody maybe never normally wants to go out on the bus or to join in a certain activity, you know, maybe one day that you know they will they, they they will want to do that and they will maybe get some benefits out of it and you know really sort of enrich that 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 person's experience on that day. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why there's always a big focus on these six monthly reviews, because the kind of big the regulations, the Public Service Reform Act, which we base, you know, our regulatory activities on is very much, um, it says, you know, that a personal plan, it should be reviewed within six months or if there's a significant change, you know, and for somebody that significant change could be the loss of a spouse. It could be something that a affects their 
ability to engage or to participate the way they had been. They could have a new illness. They might have been to hospital following a, you know, a fracture or um, have had a stroke. So, you know, how are we making sure that we're then considering, you know, how people's care and support needs? So it's important that things are reviewed and there's that clear evidence that people are being given the opportunity to change their mind. I'm also thinking there about what we would call anticipatory care planning. So thinking about end of life decisions, palliative life decisions. Sometimes it can be, you know, people want to go to hospital, um, which is fine, but they might change their mind, you know, so giving people an opportunity to discuss these things, um, you know, as frequently as they can. And we realise it's, you know, there's a lot involved, but sometimes it's just these informal discussions and just checking in with people that, you know, is there any changes? Um, some people might, might find it difficult. So it's good that staff are able to broach these um, discussions and have these opportunities, you know, and that can be, you know, can be evidenced as a review, you know, with, you know, a review of a, a part of a personal plan. Yep, great. Okay, is there anything else, Barbara? I mean, that's that's all been really interesting. Is there anything else that's you know that we haven't discussed that you think is important? No, I think there's a lot of information that we've kind of done, but just signposting people to the quality frameworks, to the health and social care standards, thinking as well about the self-evaluation tools that we have that people might um, not be um, familiar with, but that's a really good opportunity to involve everybody in the service, the visitors, um, families, carers, friends, you know, the staff, you know, to really think, you know, how well are we creating a culture for connection and and, you know, the key thing for me is involving people, you know, how are decisions being made? How are people being, how are these being communicated so that everybody can be involved? Do things need to be printed out in larger font or do they need to be sat with a kind of one-to-one -one and explained? So how are we involving people? How are we communicating with people? And how are we evidencing that through a robust improvement plan that's regularly updated and it really feeds into positive outcomes for people because we all want the same thing. We want people to get the most out of life. We want meaningful connection to be important for people and to really help and support their health and well-being for family carers, for people experiencing care, but also for the staff, you know, just to create that culture for connection where everybody can thrive. Yeah, definitely. And we'll make sure that the links to those documents that you mentioned, the quality frameworks and the self-evaluation are in the notes for the podcast when that goes out. Well, thank you very much, Barbara. That was a really interesting conversation. Yeah, thanks, Shani.